0: Welcome, everyone, to the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Feels like I'm podcasting. No, oh. I'm Chris. That's Dan. And what are we going to talk about tonight, Daniel? Well,
1: first airing on October 1st, 1992, it's episode two of season
0: four of The Simpsons. It's a streetcar named Marge. Marge is going to perform in a musical adaption of A Streetcar Named Desire, which, to my knowledge, is not a musical is not that's why they made it they made it one which is clever so i don't know anything about a streetcar named desire really other than the general plot line that i picked up from watching this episode but like i i feel like i would appreciate a lot of the references more if i knew the play but props to them for making it still entertaining even if you don't act necessarily know what the plot is about does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's it hits the things that
1: anyone would know about it. Yeah, and then there's like a the famous ripped
0: shirt and Yell Stella <laughs> and stuff like that. Right. And then like the, the paper boy stuff is more of an inside thing, but I mean they get they get done what needs to get done, so. Uh there's a lot of funny references. This is a very reference heavy episode and it's really funny what the uh the references that they actually put in. So I am looking forward to uh looking forward to this. Uh this is also one of the few times we'll discuss this this Friday when we cover our next episode Homer the Heretic, but this is uh there's a chalkboard reference in that episode that references this episode. And I think that's one of the first time They've actually done that because that's part of the trivia is that people objected to the lyrics in the New Orleans song because it, and then Bart puts on the chalkboard, I will not defame New Orleans. So I actually like that they reference that in the next episode. They made a public apology about the song. Which, in Chris's opinion, is stupid because it's funny. God, they don't apologize for anything else. They make fun of Chinino New Orleans was where when this was set. Exactly. But apparently Bart is thinks that he's Dr. Death Steve Williams because he's writing Doc that he is not Dr. Death on the chalkboard. Dr. Death. And it's the classic couch gag where they sit on the couch and it just turns into a monster. Like, okay. That's a thing. So, well it's
1: episode two and you're already reusing gags. <laughs>
0: So we get to Troy McClure hosting the Miss American Girl pageant from lovely Lachland, Nevada, which is presented by Meryl Streep's Versatility. So you can smell just like Meryl Streep. And of course, the entire beauty contest is all state stereotypical costumes, right? Like Miss Indiana's got a racetrack. Miss Carolina's a big cigarette. I thought that one was pretty funny and the whole thing they're watching you know they've got the they make fun of the the panel of judges right like they got the token black judge and all this other stuff and then they got the guy who does Deirdre? the worst yeah the guy who does the worst dress list who do you thinking? ah uh, Goldie Hawn so while this is happening Homer and the kids are watching this and Marge is you know he's she's... such a bitch <laughs> She, she's basically telling the kids, you know, I'm going to an audition tonight. I'm going to an audition tonight. I'm going to an audition tonight. And then of course, Homer's like, if you told me that, I would have remembered. She's auditioning for a musical version of Streetcar Named Desire. She's excited to get out of the house because there's more to her than that. And the kids just, nobody's paying attention. Called O Streetcar. O Streetcar, yeah. Like Maggie's like playing a classic song on the xylophone everyone's ignoring it it's just you know a lot of talents in this house go unnoticed that's a centric theme with Lisa but maybe Marge would have some fun doing the theater so it's time for the tryouts
1: and we get introduced to Llewellyn
0: Sinclair I am Llewellyn Sinclair (laughs) Uh, the dramatic introduction to
1: I have done three. I have. He's like I have uh, directed three plays and had three heart attacks.
0: (laughs) This is how much I care. And of course, preparing for a fourth. And of course, it's John
1: Lovitz.
0: Yep. All right, anyone going for Stanley? I'm going to need you to go over there and take your shirts off. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's the entire audition for Stanley is whoever's in the best shape. So, of course. Nope. nope nope try joining a gym oh dear god <laughs> you should see the wood on my butt get the <laughs> auto you you're my stanley well hot diggity damn look at me it's <laughs> all stanley i also like that he tells he tells marge that he played blanchette because he went to an all-male school Yep. he, he of course he's like that's the advantage of going to an all-male school so he got to play the role that marge is going for
1: Now I need all my branches to line up. And he rejects every one of them. So she goes to the payphone to tell Homer that she's coming back early. She didn't get the part. And, of course, he's like, can you go to the store and get a bunch of stuff? Okay, okay, Yes, fried bucket of fried chicken. Extra skin. She's so depressed. She's like... Dying inside and he sees it and then he grabs the phone and he's like, Leave my blitz alone! <laughs> he hangs the phone. Out.
0: Marge gets the part all because she was upset about not getting the part. How how interesting. So of course, I love that uh <laughs> when she's going over everything, Homer's playing a bowling Game Boy game. Yes, which he I think it's really funny. <laughs> like you're not going to be interested in this play why does it have full frontal nudity no (laughs) so bowling oh actually it does there's no bowling and actually there is so i love they're going over like who everybody's going to be playing you know my name is up i'm playing pablo my the best is uh i'm lionel hutz and i'm suing every single actor in a class action lawsuit who you cut from this play also i'm Mitch. <laughs> so they're trying to do scenes, but Maggie's in the way. And you know. so
1: luella says, Well, my sister runs a
0: daycare. Yes, the and ran school for tots.
1: Yeah, and they're like, Well, I don't know about this, but this is the only place in town that's not being investigated by the government. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, I guess it's good. Sorry, Maggie, but no pacifiers here. Yeah, no bottles, no pacifiers. Yes, there's yeah, they we we want the baby to be in tune with the bottle within. I'm like, "Oh, that sounds creepy." And of course, the the big rolling thing is that Marge can't break the bottle. So Ned actually does it for her. And she's like, "I just I just can't do this." So now she's he's losing faith in her. But this is where we're getting all of the the Homer backstory, too. Meanwhile, Maggie actually attempts to get the pacifier back in a pretty clever little montage that they do here right because she can't yeah, it's find like, any all the B plot stuff now right like because this is it goes back and forth a bit
1: it does the but plots. there's
0: there's a couple of funny things here i've got I've got them listed in order and this is only going to be one part of the B plot but she sets up all the toys to climb up there and when she can't get the pacifiers out and everything collapses. Of course, the lady hears it and comes in, and Maggie's just caught red-handed. She goes, Oh, you don't want to nap? Well, you're going to the box. And, and then
1: when the kid throws a ball, throws her a ball.
0: Yep. The last second. There'll be plenty of references that will be. And so she bounces against the wall, but it keeps it hits her in the forehead every time. <laughs> yep. So, of course, now we're trying to see if Marge can break the bottle. And of course, Marge, your ride's here. I'm not done yet, Homer. Well, can I get some change for the vending machine? So, of course, Sinclair just whips, frustratedly whips a handful of coins at him. Yeah, there's a couple of quarters in there. <laughs> and he runs at the vending machine to get it, the snacks out. Marge will be in the car, oh, and then he's honking at her, and then comes the big moment, right? She sees his face on Ned, and she breaks the bottle and takes Flanders down. And he's like, Ned, you're supposed, you're supposed to, over- to overpower her. I'm I trying! Can't. So now it's we're ready to go we're almost at go time so lisa's actually talking in an accent to help marge because she wants to she got to get her southern accent on of course um, bart has his british accent Ah, happy there governor but marge what about dessert oh homer open your own damn pudding can <laughs> so, and the, the, the key falls off and doesn't open my pudding is trapped forever Came off my pudding can. Take my pen knife, Arr. my good man. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Later this season, though. Yeah, we're gonna, we'll get there. So, of course, we have to get some streetcar moments in here because she's over at Flanders' house. Because <laughs> Marge, Marge, what? <laughs> All right, Flanders, let's do the bottle scene again. You see, he's got the freaking patch on his chest where she stabbed him. And then, of course, Homer's kind of acting like he'd be disinterested and Marge isn't happy with it. You know, well, I gotta it. I got be there, right? I don't know if I would even want you there. So, that's all the lead-up, right? Is, like, all of her method acting is coming from the fact that she's legitimately pissed off at her husband. So, we we are going to finish up the B-plot now with one of the best B-plots they ever do in The Simpsons. Matt Groening even loves this. We'll get to that in the trivia. So, yeah, the the whole plan is Maggie actually sneaks into the vents to get the keys to open the locker. And her plan works, too. Like She gets all the pacifiers. So when they go to pick her up to go to the play, they do the birds parody. Where they walk in and it's just nothing but babies sucking pacifiers and that's the only sound that's happening. And when they they exit... Such a good B-plot that it is a series of
1: shorts that are available on Disney Plus of things
0: Maggie gets up to when she's at daycare. Yes. Some of them are really good, too. Did you watch the, the one they did with Star Wars? The daycare? Yes. It was. It's like three minutes, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. We should do that as a watch-along for patron. A nice, quick watch-along. Maybe we'll incorporate that into one of our wrestle talks when we do the watch along stuff. We'll do that really quickly. If you have Disney Plus, you can watch along with us. And the best part is when he gets out and friggin' Alfred Hitchcock actually walks by, <laughs> walking his dogs. So It's showtime, and Llewellyn Sinclair is hyping everybody up, except for Otto, because he gets cut right before the show. I'll be doing your part. I'll be doing your part. Drag. So, yeah, they do the New Orleans. New Orleans, sleazy, slimy, throwaway horse It's all about pestilence and ch- a cheap thrill they had to apologize for, but it's a really good song, though. How many great classic rock songs
1: are about whores in New Orleans? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's one of those things, right, like, in, like, modern times when people, like, got upset about that song, WAP, And it's like, okay, but you understand how many songs that you guys still regularly listen to are about really bad shit, right? Drugs, alcohol, prostitutes, beating your wife. Wet-ass pussy. Yeah, it's really not that bad. (laughs) I just don't like the song because I don't think it sounds good. But, you know, that's a whole different discussion.
1: There is a house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun.
0: My father was a gambling man. So Homer's clearly bored. He like shredded the pamphlet and he's playing with the, the paper. But as soon as Marge shows up, he actually gets into it. So. And of course, she she flirts with the paper boy played by a who they do a little song montage with that. They do the Stella scene as a song. Can't you hear me, Yella?
1: I better quit or I'll tell Stella.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're, yeah. You're a
0: damn, i fellow. Stanley, quit or I'll tell Stella. And then I love, cool, she can fly. Uh, no, that's supposed to be her descent into madness and Marge is just nauseated as they're flying her on strings. And then, of course, it ends with Wiggum. I can always depend on the kindness of strangers. And they turn that into like a really upbeat song. Stranger's just a friend you haven't met. Meanwhile, Homer is now hanging his head. Yes. We're supposed to think that he's actually bored, but he's not. My favorite part is when they're doing the, the curtain calls and when they get to Wiggum, only Lou and Eddie stand up and cheer for him. But Marge gets a standing ovation. She even gets the bouquet from Ned. And then when Sinclair comes in, he's like, the real stars are you, the audience. And Otto's like, ah, cool. <laughs> So yeah, the whole end is uh, is Marge getting mad. She's like Homer. By the end, you couldn't even held your selfish hand up. He's like, no, I wasn't bored. I was sad. You know that 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 girl. You know the one that you played. Yeah. If only everybody was nicer to her. You know. And then he actually turns out that he relates that to him. And that's why he was touched by it because he he knows he can do better. It's a really nice little message to end the episode. Streetcar Named Marge. What do you think, Dan? I really like it. It's good, right? It's a it's a classic episode. It's this this is a good episode because, like I said, like we're about sixteen minutes into the actual recording and we've wrapped up the plot of the episode, right? But like I, I kind of said that in our last episode. This one was going to be a little tough to talk about because it it's got a lot of long scenes in it, and that's not a bad thing, but. Like, the positives here is that this is a really, this, I, I don't know if I'm going to say it's the best Marge-centric episode, because I'd have to look at some other ones down the line. But it's like, if, if you're going to rank Marge episodes, it's like top three. It has to be, right? How many other Marge episodes off the top of your head can you think of that wow you in this way? The only other one I'm even thinking of is the one where she becomes a cop. I mean,
1: right off and the garage. Oh, Mr. Hoity Toity with the garage.
0: Uh, Don't kill. Don't kill the jokes now. We we still got weeks before we get to that one. But yeah, like like, you know what I'm saying? If you're thinking about Marge centric episodes, there's there's an abundance on focusing on her as a housewife. Right. Like and sometimes she has some some funny B plots, like when her and Lisa get the doorbell and they can't get anybody to properly ring it, so they're pissed off. And then the doorbell gets stuck. Like, that's funny, but that's just Marge and a doorbell. How often do you actually get to see Marge get out and do stuff? My favorite Marge B-plot, aka one of the worst ones, actually,
1: is in You Only Move Twice, where there's nothing for her to do in the house, so she becomes an alcoholic!
0: Oh, God, yeah, that's... I know, it's so terrible! (laughs) But... But that's, that's just it, right? Like, it's, she can't take up a hobby or anything. She just has to... Um, or is that the hobby she took up? But, like, another Good Marge episode is the one where they get the Canyon Arrow. The F-Series, and she ends up driving it. She becomes, like, a road... Like, she gets, like, hardcore road rage. That's a Good Marge episode, too.
1: Actually get a Canyon Arrow, as opposed to when they test drive a Canyon Arrow.
0: Yeah. But, like... What other Marge-centric episodes like She's Fighting Itchy and Scratchy. It's a good episode, but it's also like Marge taking a stand and being aggressive. This is Marge going out and having fun. Like, okay, yes, some of her influence comes with the fact that Homer sucks at supporting her, but I really like what they do with this episode and the, the chances that they took, and they took a, a decently well-known movie and turned it into something that it didn't have to be, so... Yeah, it works. All right, there is a decent amount of trivia about this episode, so let's cut through that real quick so we can lengthen our time here. I don't want super short episodes. So, Mrs. Sinclair is reading The Fountainhead Diet, a reference to the Andran novel The Fountainhead, and the poster in the daycare reads A is A, which is the title of the last section of Atlas Shrugged. And they also have the Helping is Futile, which reflects her rejection of altruism. So, if you know anything about Anne Rand, there's a shit ton of Easter eggs in there for you. <clears throat> Marlon Brando, who plays Stanley in the definitive movie adaption of A Streetcar Named Desire, back in 1951, was shown this episode by Edward Norton while they were shooting the score. And according to Norton, Brando loved it. So how cool is that that Marlon Brando liked what they did with Streetcar? Good.
1: So I think talk- they they took the. I mean, like I said, they took the references that almost anybody would know, and they used those. Right. But I think they, they were relatively uh, on top of things and and uh, had it pretty pure.
0: So. Well, that's the thing, right? Like when when The Simpsons references Star Wars, it's always stuff that you would know: Luke, Yoda, Chewie. Family Guy takes it the next step, right, where they reference, okay, like, yes, I know that Boba Fett's a cult character, but he's not, when it comes to, like, mainstream Star Wars, you don't know his name as much as the other characters, unless you're really, unless you're more into it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the casual wrestling fan knowing it's the difference between Hulk Hogan and Daniel Bryan. Everybody knows Hulk Hogan, but you have to have a little more knowledge to know Daniel Bryan, even though he is popular. So, like, that's kind of what they what they do with a lot of stuff when they reference it. And that's also why I always thought Simpsons was better at pop culture references than Family Guy. Because Family Guy goes for obscure stuff or what's, what's hip, what Seth MacFarlane thinks is funny. Simpsons actually tries to make sure everybody can appreciate it.
1: I mean, they did a great space coaster joke in an episode of family guy yes they did just like who remembers that shit apparently he does
0: apparently he did (laughs) (laughs) so so it really depends on who's doing the reference here uh matt Groening actually said this episode's one of his favorites because he says that this is maggie's finest moment that's another thing that works about this episode how often does Maggie get to shine in anything? So I'm really glad that they took that reference. Of course, they also have to reference Tennessee Williams because and Rand despised the works of Tennessee Williams. So they reference it. The Anne Rand society actually called Matt Greening to say they were amazed at the references to Rand. They also asked him if the show was making fun of them. It does not say what he decided to, to go with that. James L. Brooks even said this is one of his favorites, saying it showed we could go into areas no one thought we could go into. That's the other thing, too, is like, this is, it's got funny moments, but they this is more of a somewhat serious episode because it's focusing on Marge being an entertainer. And I like that they take these references here. Of course, with Maggie's daycare and references to Anne Rand, this all comes back in Four Great Women and a Manicure in the tw- 2009, Maggie was portrayed as Maggie Rourke, based on Howard Rourke, Hero of Fountainhead, and the theatrical short The Longest Daycare has Maggie returning to the Ayn Rand gag, as does the couch gag from Moonshine River. So there's a lot of Ayn Rand references, if any of y'all are into that. So Alf Clausen actually secured the rights to the score to The Great Escape, along with the orchestra charts. It was Jeff Martin's favorite film as a child, and he said it was so exciting and so stirring to hear the music being performed by the Simpsons Studio Orchestra. So I really like that not only did they get the rights to it, but they recorded their own version of it. That's pretty cool, don't you think?
1: Yeah. then it gets to be theirs, right? This is the Simpsons version of The March. So
0: So here's more trivia on how they turned this into a play. The estate of Tennessee Williams wouldn't let them use the large excerpts because Streetcar Named Desire is copyrighted work. But a Fox lawyer said that the original songs based on the play were acceptable. So according to Mike Reese, they planned to take their case to the Supreme Court to get the, the, the episode aired if needed. And Jeff Martin later explained that while the songs made the episode funnier, they also made it harder to write. So they were hellbent on getting this episode out, <laughs> which is actually pretty cool that they they made it happen. So, I mean, geez, like what else could you possibly possibly go there? So, you know how John Lovitz is infamous for being long winded? You know that bombastic introduction speech that Llewellyn Sinclair gives when he first walks in? Yeah. That was the shortest take of everything John Lovitz did from that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine that. I'd, pr- I'd probably want to kill him by the end. <laughs> I mean, he's a very funny guy, but I hear he can be very... He, he does like to kind of draw his shit out, so... Yeah, really good episode. We're, we're just starting season four here, and we're already on a roll. This is uh, going to be a big theme going on here. So the next time we come to you, we're going to discuss Homer the Heretic. Or is it Heretic?
1: Heretic.
0: Heretic. I've heard it said heretic before, but I have a feeling that is the that's either a regional or a flat-out wrong pronunciation. I'm going to go with wrong. So Homer the Heretic, this is a another episode that focuses heavily on religion, which The Simpsons used to get kind of chastised by religious groups, but then it was always defended that The Simpsons is one of the only shows that tackles religion even in a positive light. And that's why they've actually had some positive influences with churches in later years. And this is a really strong episode too because this is the first time they do God on the show. And I always love the way The Simpsons tackles God with the, you can't see his face and he's got the five fingers and everything. And I always got a real, real kick out of that. So that will be coming up this Friday on the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Please continue to give us that positive feedback. I know a lot of you guys reach out to me on social media to tell me you're enjoying the show and I very much appreciate it. But if there's a way that we can kind of put everybody together in a community. If that's something you guys would be into reach out to me and tell me that. And if there's enough notice, I will make a group just for Simpsons fans on the Facebook for us to promote this podcast and discuss all things Simpsons. Cause I know a ton of Simpsons fans and I'm sure that a little Simpsons group would be a fun thing to do, but you can check out all of us out, including Dan and myself on the nerd table, the poke cast, other stuff on CKCC radio, including patron content and on twitch.tv slash online, where I'm doing a playthrough of The Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, and Dan's doing a playthrough of Pokemon FireRed, and we have more streams coming up too, so subscribe to those to get all of our game stuff. If you're listening to this episode weeks from now, we might have even moved on to other games. But please check all that stuff out. Thank you guys for all of your support, and we will see you next time for another Stupid Sexy Podcast. Feels like I'm podcasting? Nothing at all.